0: Yes. Yes. Welcome into questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan show or in the home studios, actually in the studios, not in my basement, not in my bed. I'm not lying down, laying down, lying down nurse. And I'm alongside gangster Pete gangster Pete. The people enjoyed our Irishman back of the sewed podcast a couple weeks ago. We're bringing, uh,
1: bringing it back here for part two of the remix. Uh, it's cool to hate on the Irishman now, I've noticed, since that.
0: What is that? You think you think our podcast caused hate on the Irishman? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I think. I don't know if I haven't seen us. a more
1: polarizing film in recent years. I can't. Can
0: you think of a movie that gets people more worked up? I, I mean, I think about. anything
1: that's popular, there's always going to be a kickback after people say they like it. I feel like that always no, happens. I guess. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I mean, it, if people don't like it, it's cool. Like, I'm trying to think of other... What's a movie that everybody likes that you don't like? Gotta, no, I, gotta I wasn't go. a
1: huge Avatar fan.
0: Yeah, see, I've never seen it. Like uh, that
1: everybody loved that.
0: I'm not a superhero movie fan. I'm not fan. I'm more dialogue. I'm trying to think what's a movie that everybody really liked that I didn't like. I don't know. I know I know they're out there, but I but I can't. I like, Off the top of my
1: head, I can't think of, uh, all right, you know what I'm going to do. I watch a lot more TV shows now than movies, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's the way it's kind of going. Of the uh, top f- movies of 2010s. Uh, let's see what we got and see if I can f- find one that, um, 100 best movies, 2010 through 2019, number one, inside out. So I think that's animation. So now I, Django Unchained, number two, loved it. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Loved it. Might at this moment, of course, we've only gone through two and I'm not familiar with one. That would be my favorite. A La La Land I've never seen. Gravity. Mm. I really liked it. My wife hated it.
1: I enjoyed it i'm in the space and all that stuff yeah too. i
0: am i am but not black swan i've only watched one scene take a guess which that one was is
1: eh.
0: i didn't see it so the, the film outside of the scene i liked yeah you know, i mean i right? like that
1: scene the best and then it's just dark
0: mad max fury road didn't see it did you see it it's all right avengers didn't see it no nope. coco's animated didn't see it toy story 3 didn't see it um but my understanding is now as a parent, it would wreck me. That's what I, that's what I hear about these toy story movies. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, I understand (laughs) Inception. A lot of people love that one. I enjoyed it. That's, that's an example of a movie that I would think if I would have watched the Irishman, how I watched Inception, I wouldn't have liked the Irishman because I wasn't really paying attention and you gotta be paying attention in Inception. Absolutely. So that, that would be an example. True grit. I liked. That's interesting. That's number 11. How to train your dragon animation. I haven't seen it. Looper. I uh, have not seen it. I have saw you, that. You like it? That's Bruce Willis and the great Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. Yeah. Emily Blunt. I enjoyed the Looper. Um, let's see, Shutter Island. I didn't really care for that one either. I didn't either. Love the Wolf of Wall Street. Excellent. That that and Django Unchained to this moment of the two of the fifteen. The Grand Budapest Hotel didn't see it. Wes Anderson's my favorite director. So I you love loved it. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of Our Galaxy, another one of those types that I'm not. Although James Gunn, you high directed it. Uh, Whiplash, loved that. Great movie. The, the Revenant, loved that.
1: Oh, that bear fight's
0: nuts. God, I love that movie. And that was one I went into, and I'm kind of like, all right, Anna Marie's going to be over here getting excited because DiCaprio, and I'm going to just be, I'm just going to be whatever, <laughs> be a good husband. I'm going to be cucked by DiCaprio. I'll just sit here and play on Bovada while we watch it, and then I wound up loving that movie. And I think a lot of people uh, didn't necessarily like that. Then some Star Wars movies, Arrival. Haven't seen it. Hacksaw Ridge. Haven't seen it. And I thought Doug, who really likes World War II movies, didn't care for that because his dad fought in World War II. I thought he I didn't, didn't like see that it. one. Another uh, Avengers movie, Logan, uh, with Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. I Haven't seen it. Joker 25. How about that? I haven't seen it. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't. I'd like to see it. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I might. I might wind up watching that today because we're recording this on the uh, Monday snow day. December 16th, and that's uh, on iTunes now, so I might watch that. I hear that's really good, and obviously, it seems like, even though it's not by design, that I'm mentioning some Tarantino movies. I can't believe I, like.
1: I haven't seen that yet. I, it's supposed to be the Disney. I really want to see it, too. DiCaprio, to Brad
0: Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emile Hirsch from The Girl Next Door, yeah. where the juice is not worth the squeeze line comes from, Spider-Man, I haven't seen it, Captain America, I haven't seen it, Avengers, haven't seen it, and Interstellar. I have not seen. Interstellar is fantastic. Boyhood, thirty-one. You remember Boyhood? Have you seen? I do that? not really. Is That's that... the one where they started filming like
1: fifteen years ago, yeah, and they that... follow him. I felt that that felt like homework to watch that. I didn't I think, I, but
0: again, I, my it is amazing how how a perspective changes once you have a child. And I hate saying that. I really don't like saying. I'm not saying. So for those of you who don't have a kid, you can't possibly understand. I'm just thinking of like things that before, God, there's a movie that's like seven or eight years old. And like, I just, I saw it now having a son. I'm like, Oh my God, my whole world changes. Like thinking of that movie. Um, and now having a son and boyhood may change in that capacity. Although that's more about a, yeah, I feel like the, the Patricia Arquette relationship is, is more of a focal point in that. Um, but still uh, from a parent standpoint, Oh man, God. Just looking at the cover of that now hits me, but I didn't, (laughs) I didn't really think that much of it. I thought it was fine. I do think there's a moment in that movie, which was critically acclaimed. I don't think it won best picture, but it was nominated for it. That the mom says, is this all there is? And I thought that was like one of the most depressing yet poignant (laughs) lines I've seen in film history. And that was before I was a parent. Uh, The dark Knight rises. People love that. I have not seen it. Another Toy Story. Have you seen The Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, I like
1: I like The Dark Knight.
0: Drive with uh Ryan Gosling and Brian Cranston. Not seen it. Is entertaining. Uh, The Hunt. Not familiar with that at all. It seems like that's a European film. Um, The Social Network. Love The Social yeah. Network. Strong. Nightcrawler. Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo. Oh yeah, Watch that. Not seen another X Men movie. The Nice Guys with uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Have not seen it. Gone Girl. I'm surprised that's in there. I liked it. It's fine. Seems like kind of like a movie they'd show on CBS like on Sunday nights, but I liked it. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, haven't seen it. The Handmaid. Edge of Tomorrow is really good. Is it? Yeah. Uh, the Handmaiden, Wind River, John Wick, Chapter 2, Get Out. I thought Get Out was just so outside the box. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I love That it. thing. I, I didn't know what I was getting into with that one. I didn't either. Holy shit. Uh, Gar, another anime. Like a superhero movie or something my bag the artist definitely not my bag uh was that the one that was si- a silent movie the artist i think or was Chaplin? Or was it the could artist have been one? the artist i didn't yeah. see it but it sounds right sleep tight not familiar with that that's overseas flight with denzel washington i'm surprised that's in the top 50 and then finally the raid
1: man mine didn't make it what's that what is yours uh ex machina is the best movie i've seen last year. is that, that right it's like a perfect movie
0: now I get, might have to watch it. Who's in that? Because I feel like uh, there's an attractive lass and I can't think of who it is. Yeah, there is. Creed is number 60. I really liked Creed. Did you like Creed? I haven't seen Creed. Oh, I think you like it. I've heard
1: that it's really good.
0: So, anyway, how do, how do we get on? How do we get on this where I'm just listening? This is like a Francesa segment. I, that uh, the, the, the Irishman, that's when Gangster Pete and I did a podcast a couple weeks ago. But we waited until the end of it to talk about it. It would have been good if we had Iggy in because Iggy hated it. Um... Although it seems like one of the main criticisms of the film is the scene in which De Niro is beating up a guy. And I have to say, I agree having seen the movie twice. I agree. It's just like, it seemed like it was an unnecessary, the scene was necessary, the manner with which it strikes me as unnecessary. But then again, I'm arguing against Martin Scorsese. And so I would imagine he probably would get the benefit of the doubt in this debate. And then furthermore, I'm sure he had a reason, but I don't know what it was because because in one of the most famous scenes and perhaps the most important as far as plot goes in goodfellas you see from the floor angle de niro stomping on uh frank vincent's character in goodfellas and i feel like they could have done that with this scene and then therefore it wouldn't have looked as you know here's a here's a guy in his i think he's 76 de niro is 76 77 you know, who just isn't as, you know, able to, to move <laughs> as well anymore. And so it does look, you know, he's supposed to be in his 40s. And uh, and it looks a little, you know, off, I guess. But, I mean, I, like, it's it's a, it's like it's a three-hour and ten-minute movie that I think is... It didn't bother me at yeah. all. Oh, I mean, I, mean I think a, you're nitpicking. That's consumed some people. But whatever. Either way, if some people don't like it, or a lot of people don't like it, that's cool. I still one of my favorite movies I've seen recently. And as uh, always, some people like some things, some people like other things. All right. I just posted... Um, on the fan page for uh, some questions. But I already had a bunch saved in the email. And let's see what we got here. And if they're not they're not going to be read, I just delete them. So if you do email and you don't hear back, if you title it QFTA, I'm not going to respond because I just put it in the QFTA file. So, But otherwise, I respond to emails. Hey, Tim, big fan of TMA and your podcast. I love the deep dives and perspective you provide on the struggles and potential of our city. As someone who went away to college only to return strictly for financial reasons, I spent my early 20s just waiting for me to leave again for a bigger city. It never appeared, but as I turned 30, I've grown to really appreciate and love our hometown. Part of that is thanks to you. Oh, wow. Where's, where's Doug with the gong? Part of that is thanks to you and the discussions you've explored both on the show and podcast and probably a little bit of natural maturing, but that brings me to my next point. I have not yet listened to the podcast with the older gentleman you've interviewed, but I've read your posts in the Facebook group the fan page. I'm interested in these men's perspective on family being so important, and I'd like to know yours as well. As someone who has started a family at a stage in life that is considered late by St. Louis standards, I'd like to know if you had wished you'd done it sooner. As I said, I'm about to turn 30, and the option to leave St. Louis for a lucrative job has appeared. As I'm a single guy, this would probably delay starting a family, and I would probably be close to your age when, if I have a child... With the idea that as one nears the end of life, it becomes clear that family is the most important thing in life. I am finding myself questioning whether or not I would regret starting a family later in life. I've rambled more than asking a question, but would be interested in hearing your perspective on starting a family later in life. Thanks, that comes from James. All right, there's a lot there. Um, let's see what I wanted to start with. Uh, with regard to the podcast with family members, at least as of this moment, I, I, first off, everybody who comes in to do this, and Pete and I were discussing before the start of the podcast, we're looking for a name um, for it. So if anybody has one, uh, now I'm opening it up to, and if you send names in and I don't respond, it's just like, uh, thank you, but we're not, cause I, then I'm going to wind up responding thank you, and then it, it, you know, there was nothing there but it's something I've been spending like the last few days on. And I still haven't come up with one like memory cast or something like that. But like, how does it stand out that this isn't just like somebody speaking into a tape recorder. They're actually being interviewed and interviewed in a studio with high quality sound. Um, and I'd like to think the families so far have, um, have have come away from it. Um, kind of, I think maybe a little overwhelmed. I, th- I don't think I, I've read this. I don't know if you saw it, Pete, I don't, I don't think I forwarded it to you. Uh, this is from, uh, Tyler. We interviewed his grandfather last week. And again, these aren't public. So I realize people, I had to turn it off. Did I read this to you or did I tell you about it? I had to turn it off before I bawled my eyes out. I was listening on my way to officiate a basketball game. Only the second time I've heard the man cry. The first was when he called me to try and convince me not to join the army. I was remarkably dumb and naive at 21 and didn't quite get it, even though I knew Jimmy, his brother, which was an emotional time during the interview, had died in the Korean War. Same branch, and it was joining the infantry just like his brother. I can't imagine what that put him through. Um, so that, he, he said he had to pull over and, you know, just it just hit him. And so I'd like to think what people are getting from these interviews is, you know, like, I, I, Uh, um, if you're not, I don't know. I whole thing about doing interviews. I don't, I don't know. And I, listen, anytime anybody gives anybody a compliment, they certainly appreciate it doesn't matter. But when I get compliments on doing interviews, I don't really know what to say because it's not like I've like worked at it. It's not like I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm a four handicap, which I would actually take greater pride in because I know (laughs) I would work at that. And interviewing to me is subjective, but for whatever reason, it does seem like when we get people in here, they open up and I have no idea why.
1: Well, I think you make them happens. comfortable, but I don't know why or how you make the people comfortable then they already feel like they kind of know you if they listen to the show. Yeah. But I mean, the these podcast. two older guys who've been in so far, I don't think they listen. I
0: don't know. And yeah. both of them said that, which is great. I mean, it's a great thing because that's the goal and not as a compliment right. to me, but it's the goal. I want people to come in here for their family's purposes and hear their story and not be uncomfortable, but it happens. And that's great because then the families get these people's stories and I'm just
1: Well, I also think you're curious. good at asking interesting questions and then getting out of the way and letting them exp- expand, expand yeah. on their feelings and things and not interrupting them while they're going. You know, I uh-huh. think, I think if I was listening to it, that's what I'd want to hear. Yeah, One you want the interviewer to get the, yeah. Get that fuck out of the way. I don't know. And
0: like I always talk about it with, with uh this is totally like the antithesis of what we're doing with the family podcast. And if you're interested in having a family member interviewed, email me team inside Sooner or later we're gonna have a pot uh, a website for it. But Pete and I and uh others involved, uh we just we gotta come up with the right name for it. And I haven't come up with it yet. Um team inside stl.com. Uh and then that, that uh, like Holly Randall and I listen to her interview adult film stars every week and she like jumps in and then she starts talking about her stories in the middle of the interview. And I'm just like, bro,
1: <laughs>
0: like I love that you get these people on cause they're usually have incredibly interesting stories. Um, and I'm fascinated by the stag world, but I'm not tuning in to hear Like you tell your stories. Like, wouldn't that it just, it seems like natural to me to like get out of the way. So I don't know. I don't have, I listen, what I don't have is the answer. Um, but, but a theme that has come up is family and, uh, James in his email is correct. Uh, James, these won't be posted. At least that's not the plan. We might post some excerpts of them if, if the families and the the individuals are cool with it, but they wouldn't be like the private, you know, quote unquote, proprietary moments that would only apply to family. Maybe general, like what you're talking about, because the theme so far has been family um, and then that gets to your questions as someone as, or, yeah, your questions as someone who has started a family at a stage in life that is considered late by St. Louis standards, I'd like to know if you'd wish you'd done it sooner. So that's a good question. Um, but I guess I have a point of clarification and that is my wife and I, and I was married to her when I was 30, 31. Um, we tried to have children and we were told we couldn't, we did IVF, we did IUI, IVF twice? Did IUI I got only knows how many times? We are told we we're, we were, we were going to start looking at surrogate route or adoption. Um, so that's where we were. And we were going to do IVF one last time. And if it didn't work out, that was just kind of, then we're going to have to kind of look into, you know, what the next play would be. And I'm not sure what the next play would have been. So it was not a choice. However, I will say this because I can't like speak to, okay, I decided to do this as a strategy, and here is what I would tell you about it. Although I realize, and I would say this on the radio often, that in St. Louis, as James, you make reference to, and Pete, you can speak to this, although you're not uh, in, a, in a, you know, you're not married, not in a relationship, at least not as, I, as far as I know, um, that being single or being married with no kids in St. Louis in your late thirties or early forties puts you in a major minority.
1: Would you not agree with you? 37, 38? Yeah. 38. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm in the minority. Right.
0: And then how many married couples of your peers that are around that same age don't have kids?
1: Uh, most of them have kids.
0: Right. I mean, I don't even know if there would be one couple, you know, I
1: mean, just, there's a couple that just got married. So that's the only reason it's coming. Yeah. And, and so, and so and, and it's one of those things where I'm comfortable. Now I was only comfortable
0: because my wife was comfortable talking about it. If she wouldn't want me to talk about it, I wouldn't have talked about it. But, um, after the fact that we, we had a really tough time with it. So it was a, it wasn't a choice per se. Um, but I did because of the circumstances live my thirties, uh, married, but without kids in St. Louis, which puts me in, you know, God. I mean, a, a really rare category in St. Louis, in New York, it's like a nothing, but as you made reference in St. Louis, it's rare. And so my first child was born when I was 40. Um, and personally for me, but I think this is, I really do think it's a case by case thing. I kind of had arrested development in that I really didn't start, you know, fucking off until college. Um, and I think part of that, which you'll hear, my dad is our guest next week. Uh, and we talk about me bussing tables at Pietro's in my high school years was because I was working during high school and I just didn't do anything. And on top of it, in my class at St. Louis U High, I was like one of the only people in my neighborhood who went there. And then people kind of divide up by what schools they go to in my neighborhood. That might be for those of you who grew up in West County or South County or North County or St. Charles, you might be like, "What? who gives a shit? But that's how it was. And, uh, and so I was kind of in this weird spot. I didn't have a driver's license cause I was, uh, super young for my class. So I didn't have a driver's license until my junior year. And so I was just kind of on this Island, South city. And so then I really didn't start, you know, doing what many people did in high school until, um, college drinking, fucking off, smoking weed, gambling, you know, whatever. And so I have the maturity of somebody probably in their early thirties or mid thirties, but I'm 43. And for me, while in one sense, it quote unquote sucks that I will be in parenting mode until my late fifties. I guess you're always in parenting mode as long as you have a kid, but a kid who's not out of the house. Um, that doesn't bother me. And I got to live my thirties in a spot where we traveled a good amount, went to Las Vegas, a shitload to play poker. And, um, And just really enjoyed ourselves, you know. Now, again, it wasn't a strategy, but I enjoyed it. I guess some people are really, I don't know what the right word would be. Sensitive, I guess, to um, in St. Louis to being older with kids, I guess. And this is something I never even thought about. Like, I remember Doug giving the cat shit about, I think, Tyler with son when the cat was 46 or 47 in that range. And I remember Doug like giving him shit about that. I always thought, was well, it like, but, but I mean, it was, I know and Doug was just doing it, joking around, it wasn't like mean spirited, but, uh, I didn't really think anything of that. So what you're getting to from the reference to the the podcasts, well, they're not even podcasts, the interviews with the, the people who are now one was 94 or 91 and one's 84. And they look back on their life. And when I ask them, what, what do you think of? at this age that you would have told yourself at 20 that you would have never believed. And they both talk about the importance of family. Um, I don't think that is, I don't think that makes you go, Oh, I better have kids. And I'm not saying that's not what you're saying. I'm kind of straw manning it, but you know, I I also think you have perspective in your eighties that I know this might sound somewhat blasphemous, but also kind of makes you forget what you had to do in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and possibly sixties in order to provide for the family. Um, and, in the work and the stresses, because when you're 91, you're far removed from it. And when you're 84, you're far removed from it. And so, you know, I mean, like the, I, I said a number of times and it's the truth, TMA would not still be around if I would have had kids when I was having kids like the standard St. Louis age of like whatever it is, 27, 28, 29, 30, um, because I wouldn't have been able to gamble like I did. And it wasn't like these were like batshit gambles, but, you know, calculated risks. But I didn't even think anything of it because it's like, all right, we're going to be fine. It's me and Anna Marie and I know we'll be fine. But if I would have had like two or three kids and they're all under the age of five, I don't think I would have been able to do it. Um, and so that's just, that's kind of the way things played out. It wasn't, like I said, this wasn't a strategy. So, you know, I mean, I guess, uh, when I'm 70, if I get there, Jameson would be 30. And yeah, man, I mean, obviously I would love to have, you know, however, the maximum amount of years with him, but you're in a different spot, James, because you're asking about it. I didn't have a choice. Um, and, and it just kind of played out this way. But for whatever reason, I didn't really, really start thinking about having kids until 2011, 12. Um, I really didn't. It, I, and I don't know what that was about. I just know that's not where I was. And I, I, so there's there's not a regret because it wasn't a choice, but that's that's my story. Now, Gangster Pete, um, I don't believe you have any children, correct? Not that I know of. Right. And so uh, you, if you do have a child at the earliest, uh, you would be in your, you uh, 38, 38, 39 age range. If this were you meet a woman and fall in love and get married and then have a kid immediately.
1: Oh, man, what a story for the ages. That would be. My mother would love that story. What
0: do you think about what James is saying? You're coming at it from a different perspective, but a relatively I mean, same age. I'm probably age a
1: bad person to ask because I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. Nice. So if I have a kid at whatever age, I'm fine. I mean, I think it's a bigger, probably a bigger deal for the woman. And as they get older, They. they're Yeah, and that's another ticking. thing I didn't think about. Like, 35 is kind of like a big age
0: for women with pregnancy not because of like what like you know like a magazine saying but as far as it the probability of of problems in the the pregnancy increase which is just again i just didn't think that way um but that's that's a factor so you know that's that that's certainly something but i get you know i mean i remember we had marcus allen on the podcast you weren't here for that one i don't think were you no and you know he's I don't know what Marcus is. I think he's around sixty, and I think he has like a three year old. You know, and Joe Buck and we, Joe and I, have talked about it. Uh, he's now fifty, and I think his twins don't turn two until Aprilish, Marchish. Um, Jim Edmonds has um, some young kids. He's around late forties, I think. So, um, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I know this. Absolutely love it, and I think, I don't know, I can't, I can't speak to, I, I guess what I wonder is if I would have had kids in my mid-20s or my late 20s, which wound up being the time where I was over at Diamond Cabaret, Penthouse, whatever it was called, and out until three or four in the morning regularly on Friday and Saturday night, uh, if I would have at that time, not because I would have still been doing that stuff, but I would have been resentful of the fact that I couldn't do it. Whereas now, because I got to do it, I'm like, all right, that was fun. But it kind of was reaching a point where it's like, yeah, how many more poker tournaments can I really play in? And, you know, and I know it sounds weird because I'm sure some of you are like, I would do anything to get the fuck out of here (laughs) and play in a poker tournament in Las Vegas. But it it just depends on what your experience is. And I was lucky enough that I got to do that stuff. and, and, And so, therefore, I don't have you know, the same mindset, which might've been like why, when I saw a couple of my friends get married, like right out of college, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? But I, like I said, had arrested development, you know? And so I didn't get to experience what they maybe did experience their freshman, sophomore, junior, senior years of high school, whereas right? so I was bussing tables and and not really doing much. So I don't know that, but that, that's my answer. It's a case of to each their own, but I wouldn't let that answer from the gentlemen who have been in for the the yet to be named family podcast, um, or family interviews, uh, impact your, uh, your mindset one way or the other. That's what I would, that's what I would tell you. All right. What else? we'll stay in the emails. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, Hey Tim, long time. First time. My nephew just signed me into his YouTube TV account and I'm watching the blues game live and it got me thinking. I'm not sure if this question or one very similar has been asked or not. Do you see a time when a station like one of the big ones, two, four, five, et cetera, go out of business or get shut down with other companies starting their own channels like Amazon, YouTube. And then you have Netflix, Hulu, et cetera. And then social media for news and apps for weather. The viewership for regular television must be at an all-time low and getting lower. I think the time of the network sitcom is coming to an end. Local news has to be dying, and I'm not even sure what else is on regular TV. I'm the same age as you within a couple months. I get that the older generation still watches regular TV. Hell, a lot of them still get the newspaper. What do you think will be airing on those channels in, say, 20 years? The networks may still be around, but the TV programming will have to be different. I suppose sports is the biggest reason people watch TV. I really have no idea how it all works, but could you see an Amazon or Netflix buying the rights to air one of the major sports leagues? Sorry if this doesn't make sense. I tried the devil's lettuce tonight. Uh, Don't care if you use my name. Thank you, John Allen. Um, Yeah, I don't, to answer like the main question of what do I think they'll be airing in 20 years? I would imagine they will be operating absolutely, totally differently than they are now. And I'd bet everything I have on that. Of course, that's, very vague bad. I mean, you gotta be specific. Um, I would imagine local news might be more like an on demand social media app. Um, but then the monetization strategy has to be, you know, perfected in order for that to work. Otherwise it's not gonna make any sense. But, um, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, from a salary standpoint that was going on when I was doing it, which is, you know, 20 years now. Um, and I remember, and I think I've said it before in here when I, I think, I don't know if Mike Bush said it when we were doing the interview or when we got done, but he said to me, he goes, you saw this coming. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you saw what was happening with local TV. And I go, yeah, how did you not? And i and I'm not, I wasn't saying that to be flippant. I'm just like, I mean, if anybody would know, I mean, I think I would have to think Mike's one of the highest paid guys in, in the market as he should be, you know, news and sports in St. Louis since like 84, 85. Um, and it just struck me as obvious, but maybe because he was in the position he was in, he was still making an absurd amount of money. Whereas guys like me, the weekend anchor, they're kind of like, all right, you're replaceable. So here's your 2% raise for another two years. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't, we don't really care. And, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is obviously a really bad business. And I'm not interested in spending my nights and weekends and holidays doing this stuff. It's going nowhere. Um, so it already started. It's just not necessarily maybe obvious to the public, but it's, uh, it's already started. I would agree with you that it's not, I mean, you know, it's funny when I have some television news people on and people go, who is that? You know? And I'm like, oh my God, you don't know who that is. But that, I mean, I, I don't blame them. How would they know? Um, and regarding sports being on like a Netflix or Amazon, that's absolutely where I think it'll be. Um, I, I don't know if they'll shut down. I don't know if they'll shut down. I don't know if I see that. I just think they're gonna change their change their models. I mean, it's just that's just kind of um, inevitable. I think if you would have asked somebody 25 years ago about uh, the possibility of uh, one of the network affiliates not carrying sports in their newscast, you would have said that's crazy, but that's the case for KMOV at five o'clock now. If you would have asked about the possibility of stations doing news at starting at four in the morning or 4 PM, you'd say, that's crazy. That's now standard. And if you would have asked about, um, you know, all, I mean, newscasts going, you know, left and right the, throughout the day, you would have said, where, where's all this coming from? It used to be, you had maybe a morning show and then a noon new newscast and then five, six and 10, or at Fox you had five, six and nine. So it's just, it just, it just changes, um, I don't know if there's going to be a need need for local news as it's done right now.
1: I don't gangster Pete. What do you think? I think there's always going to be a market for the local perspective. I don't know what form that's going to take in the future, but I mean, I think that I think that there'll be opportunity available for people that want to get local news. Yeah. yeah. I just figure it might be, I mean, social media, whatever social
0: media will be in 20 years. I mean, who knows? But, um, I just, I can't imagine it being you know, something that people are like going out of, the, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you see what's going on with newspapers, which I do think have great value, but A and, and, and a healthy percentage of the population's mind in America right now, they're the enemy of the state. And then B um, younger people just aren't getting them. Um, and so they're accessing content online. And oftentimes it's content that fits their already self-perceived view of that which is fact or opinion but then they take it as fact uh let's see what we got here um oh it's your buddy deebs hey deebs what up baby uh tim i'm not sure this one isn't about like him you know as you know deebs deebs is graphic with his
1: uh yeah deebs deebs likes to hit the sauce on <laughs> and friday and sometimes he does
0: he's these all usually sent in after 10 p.m yeah. this one was sent yeah. in at 10:32. Tim, I'm not sure how frequently I interact with new grad millennials, but I do on a monthly basis. My firm hires them like crazy because they are uh, inexpensive to employ. And also, we are a sales branch of a much larger corporation and sex sells. (laughs) The hell (laughs) classic teams. Most of these kids are awesome. Most do not suffer from social justice warrior mindsets. Granted, we have a super dope internal recruiter who rejects (laughs) morons. (laughs) Is Deeb's married with kids? No, Deeb's Uh, one of my single buddies. uh, That would have been more of my money would have gone. But I deaf have faith in the character and judgment of the youth entering the workforce. Largely, they scoff at the SJW ethos. Also, the females are fire AF. Thanks, (laughs) Deeb. I don't really know what the fuck I has read. I don't know if there's a question. It was more like a statement of something we've never talked about. (laughs) But I mean, I, I guess he's addressing... Something that I don't think we've spent much time talking about it because it's, I don't really have that viewpoint, but that the millennials are soft, I guess. Uh, Yeah,
1: that's what it sounds like. And or social justice warriors, I
0: gather. I guess that's what he's.
1: Yeah, I like to joke about the soft thing, but everybody does that. But the social justice warriors, I mean, that's annoying in my opinion, but.
0: Um, so thank you Deebs as always. I always enjoy them. This one actually got read. Usually I go, okay, I can't <laughs> read that. Thanks
1: Debs. They'll be stoked.
0: Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people who can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503 or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Tim, has there ever been a time where the cat or Doug has come to you and asked to stay away from a certain topic because some of their higher-ups caught wind of something and it was brought to them in a private meeting? The cat having his wings... Is clear. What does that mean? Cat having his wings? That's the Cardinals? Well, he eats the wings when we talk oh, about stuff. If he doesn't like it. Oh, God, wait. yeah. I was like reading that. The cat having his wings. Thank you. Thank God you're here, Gangster Pete. Uh, if the cat having his wings is clear that he stays away from the porn talk and Doug doing his own show during some sex talk shows. That's not a hindrance. If I had to guess, I'd say it'd be more political or local racial type discussion. I'd love to hear them answer themselves, but I'm guessing that won't happen as to insulate themselves from the topic altogether publicly. Well, I mean, they don't appear on the podcast. So that's the main reason. But... Uh, honestly, and it's kind of amazing actually that uh, the cat and I have been working together 15 and a half years, Doug and I on the show for 12 plus years. And then when you include television, nearly 20 years. And I'm telling you that I suppose, I mean, I guess I can only, I really can only think of like one time, one thing, so to speak. That has been discussed is let's not talk about that. And maybe I'm missing something, Pete. You've been with the program for about a year and a half.
1: Uh, I was a fan of the show before I started working on the show, so uh-huh, I always uh-huh. kind of wondered about this. Yeah. And I can think of one thing that I'm not really supposed to talk about.
0: Interesting. I don't
1: know what you're talking about with that because oh, I know the one <laughs> thing
0: goes back to 2004, um, but uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I just. It's kind of amazing. And I, I think what they do the cat with the wings and Doug start debating whether or not Glenn Hall was a better goalie than, you know, <laughs> Jordan Bennington on his own in the corner is kind of their pl- form of plausible deniability, uh, Smart. which is, yeah, I totally get it. I think it's, I think it sucks. It like we like have to dance like TV is like superior, but whatever. It's fine. that's, not, I mean, look for them, that's their larger source of income and health insurance and all that. So if I'm in their position, I totally get it. But my reference is to like how, this industry kind of goes, oh, well, he has a TV job, as if we got to go, oh, well, then. it's if, you know, like, because most of us in our age range and younger go, give gives a fuck, you know? But I get it, and I know the circumstances, so I absolutely respect it. And should that ever come up, but it hasn't, I'd go, okay, I get it. And then I'll go, like, all right, I'm going to talk about it, but maybe I'll talk about it on the podcast where they won't be guilty by association. That's the way I would describe it. Um, if anything, I would say... I don't know if I would say Doug shoots from the hip more than anybody of the three hosts. Uh, Cause I think the plowhawk probably fires off more takes, <laughs> but shoots from the hips more than any of the th- three hosts. But I think one of the reasons why I'm more, I don't know what the right word for it would be because measured almost sounds like it's a self-indulgent compliment that I'm more measured. And that's not what I'm trying to say. I just feel like I'm kind of, gray with a lot of my thoughts. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I see it. And here's why I see it. But then at the same time, and I don't really know if that fits to a show that has five people actively talking. It's better for this format where I can explain it. Um, And uh, you know, some people like it. And then some people are like, Oh, that's really fucking boring. I'd rather you just say the Cardinals are fucking cheap and scream, you know, and I get it. I understand that, but I don't want to give the audience uh, an opinion that I don't really think. So I don't do that. And, um, I'm not saying that Doug does that or the cat does that or any of those things. I'm just saying that I, I don't really see things too often as black or white. Although I will say this, I'll give you a Cardinals take here. If the Cardinals do not tend to their lineup this off season, I could be dangerously close to a plowhawk take Smith this, this, uh, coming spring training. I, I, I'll be absolutely baffled by it. If that goes on baffled, baffled. And we'll have to reanalyze my previous takes if that's what goes on.
1: I think they're in danger of upsetting, like, the reasonable fan base that isn't, like, hot takey. No. Like, me personally, I give the benefit of the doubt. I like to wait and see. But they need to do some things. It doesn't seem like they're doing anything. I mean, they're losing their cleanup hitter, who, again, wasn't that great. I mean, he was fine. But he wasn't that great. Like, great. And,
0: <laughs> I mean, again, just because they haven't done anything doesn't mean that they're not going to do anything. But part of my thought process was, okay, in the past, they've kind of set expectations. And then some people would feel like they didn't meet those expectations. And then they would like, okay, well, then they'll do something at the trade deadline and they don't do anything at the trade deadline. So now the theory, now the strategy, and again, nobody said this. I'm just trying to make sense of this, uh, is that they're not going to set expectations and then they're going to do something. And listen, I was going to give the plowhawk. I don't know what it was. I think it was 10 to one on anything up to a hundred bucks. So I could have lost a thousand dollars that the Cardinals would make a significant move and we would have to have an arbitrator if we disagreed on the definition of significant um, and he didn't take the bet um, or he did. And then it wound up being a hell of a lot smaller, whatever, either way. I'm, I know I'm not worried about losing a thousand dollars, but at this point I'm going, what is going on? I mean, I just, I, this was a, this was a below average lineup going Into September of 2019. And if this is what it is in in April of 2020 without Ozuna, I'll just be like, what is going on? Mike Schilt talking about the Yadier Molina possibly hitting cleanup? Holy shit.
1: Disaster. I just,
0: I don't know. I just can't believe. I just can't believe. I just, I think maybe they're waiting to see what's going to happen and then make a trade. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm on the verge of becoming baseball hot take guy. (laughs) Uh, which I believe I was like in the mid 2000s, the morning grind and I was screaming like a fucking idiot. And I wish somebody could delete all that material because I'm embarrassed by it. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a first hand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy got a lady. I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James had been been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now he still checks in, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which of course was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something or I've forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like, it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. He's like, Hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of. So you're covered. It's just, it's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, Hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me and I go, it's James Carlton here. Let me include him on the on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, Oh yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, Oh God, I hope he does. Okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton state farm insurance agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm call, James Carlton state farm. All right, now I got here, Pete, so you can see it. This this is a very long oh, novel. Yeah, I just can't read it. Holy shit. Uh, it's about the Irishman. His main thing was he didn't really like it, and part of it was the CGI, and I'm not dismissing the opinion at all. Um, he uh, says, so I'll, I'll just, like, take an excerpt. Everyone knows the part of the story is coming about Hoffa and expects something unique, being his remains were never found. I think I felt this way because another of my all-time favorite movies is Hoffa with Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito. I much prefer their version of how it could have ended. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's cool to each their own again, like this thing, like, um, with, with the Irishman. And again, I'm so, I don't want to get into like detail because I don't want to spoil it for people unless Pete and I start saying, okay, we're done with this and now we're going to talk to the Irishman. Um, it's cool. If you don't like it, totally cool, man. Like I said, we were going through the top 50 movies of, uh, IMDb's list for the 2010s and the teens. And, you know, I hadn't seen, I think 40 of them, but, uh, yeah. I mean, some people like some things, some people like other things. It's like, I'm going to love that movie, whether everybody likes it or not. I don't really, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, but with, with regard to, the movie with Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito, I mean that was based on a different story and this is based on Frank Sheeran's <laughs> book. So they couldn't like change what happened. That's what happened that's what he said happened in the book. So I,
1: you know, you can't I, but, right, to, to each their own as well. The was, CGI thing didn't bother me at all. Like I've, I keep people hearing like, people and then Robert bring De Niro had
0: blue eyes and I'm like he they're yeah. he's Irish, you know. A lot of us have blue eyes. That's kind of the deal. You
1: know, that was the point of that. I don't know. I, I'm much more interested in the dialogue and the storytelling, but, like, the CGI, didn't it didn't bother me at all. Love, uh, this one comes from Matt. I don't know if he wants me to use his
0: old name, but it's Matt. Love the Irishman. Did you pick up Hoffa's wife being the girl that would fly back and forth from Goodfellas? I knew she looked familiar. Did you pick that up? I in, did not. In while watching the movie? Wow. Yeah, nice play. Yeah. Very nice play uh, from Matt. I got to go back and look at that. Now. Another Irishman uh, email. They are, they are nonstop. Uh, Hey, Tim, you were talking about The Irishman earlier today, and I totally agree that it's a well-done film. I watched it with my wife, and midway through, I commented to her that this movie is amazing. Her response was, is a woman going to talk in this movie at all? It didn't take away how great the movie was for me, but it was something I noticed going forward throughout the second half of the film. Wanted to know if that was something you noticed. Once again, love the show. Uh, All, like always, thanks. Uh, That's from Patrick Lynch. Um... Yeah, we we talked about a story, Pete, when we did our kind of deep dive yeah, into Anna it. Yeah, Anna Paquin. Yeah, about how she. But her character was that. that was the point of the character? It's a really odd thing. Um. I don't know. that was the character. That was the, that was the story. I mean, and I thought the character was powerful without speaking. I just yeah that that was the that was the point. Right. That was the point of the character. So. I, the, the, the reason why I'm banty about it is it takes me back to that article and then about complaints, Patrick, your email, I'm not banty about, but it just takes me back to that article and it's like, okay, that's who they were hanging around, you know, I mean, in, you know, fried green tomatoes where there are a lot of guys present, you know, and, uh, now and then you know i mean it, it, movies are based i mean it's like every little, time i
1: watch uh, sex in the city i'm like really a little man time. you going to
0: portray guys as just doofuses i mean it's, it's like well, I, I don't know it's, just,
1: it's such an it's a
0: really fuck it's i you know i feel like people throughout all 43 years of my life or at least like the 33 i can remember um have said every year it's a really fucked up time i am now in the mindset. And it's really got nothing. I mean, certainly the, the Trump thing, I guess maybe contributes to it, but when I'm talking about it, I'm not thinking of him. It's a fucked up time. It's a fucked up time where somebody who would, I think, and I think people who are familiar with me on the show or on the podcast would go, yeah, he's very liberal socially, uh, would go, my God, I'm starting to go, what the fuck's going on with those of us who are socially liberal? So <laughs> That's, that's how I would describe it where I'm going, are we really doing this? I mean, are we really picking this battle? Are we not like digging into it? Like I'm, I'm all for pointing out and fighting against discrimination, but now we're just calling shit discrimination just to like do it. And I don't know what the fuck's going on with it. And I hate discrimination. So it's like, then like the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. And so now I got people who are bigots are like, it's good to have you on board. I'm like, well, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want your support, even though I think most bigots don't realize they're necessarily bigots in 2019. Um, but I'm talking about, like, people, like, have to defend themselves. Like, like Anna Paquin's like, yeah, you know, I was the one who took the role, and I understood why the character didn't speak much. What the fuck? You know, I mean, wow. Ah, yeah. All right, uh, let's see. I, uh, Tim, I love TMA and have been a listener- Uh, since early 2014, I have two questions for you. The first may have been asked before, but I'll take a stab at it. Are Doug's laughing fits legitimate? (laughs) The answer right out of the gate is yes. Yep. hundred (laughs) percent. Uh, in my opinion, Doug is one of the best in the business, not just locally, but nationally. So it would not surprise me if it was performance art as many of his bits are. I don't know what his his bits are. I, I mean... I guess Hockeyisms maybe you
1: might be talking about, yeah, but that's but not mean, a bit either. Yeah, it's it's not top a bit. Of his head. It
0: is, which is nuts. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I could it's, not believe it. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. I guess you got to see it first. Yeah, like, I, I used like, to wow. see it, and I wouldn't look at him. It was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I wouldn't look at him when he would be doing those things. Got to be like, I don't, it's like a no-hitter, and I don't want to fuck it up. But, you know, I think all of us, it's, it's just the nature of the beast when you go into being on air. You have to think, there has to be a huge amount of ego in it in general to think that people give a shit about what you say. It's just You might not be conscious of that, but when you take a step back, it's like, yeah, why would people care? I must think I'm pretty smart or pretty astute or pretty amusing or whatever. Um, So I think, uh, you know, obviously there's there's, there's at least some form of talent going on in that show for as moronic as it can be. And I've worked with some incredibly talented people, and there are moments of talent individually that I go, you know, like whether it be Iggy's ability to like, deliver just asinine shit. I don't know if that's just a case of, you know, just not being self-aware or, you know, he's able to do it. The cat being able to like play the role, these characters and instigators um, is, I couldn't do it. And then how both him and Doug are able to like not break, whereas I'm like Jimmy Fallon and I'm breaking all the time. But Doug's ability to do those hockeyisms when they're not written down and they're off the top of his head is nuts to me. It might not necessarily be the best part of the whole thing of the 15 years, although certainly people love it. But as far as like, where I sit there and I go, I couldn't fucking do that. That, that, that would be an example that the rest of the stuff, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, Doug could do what I do, all that shit. I could do whatever, but that I couldn't do. And I just go, Holy shit. Martin Martin kind of the same way with the impressions and the quickness. Um, but but the hockeyisms I couldn't I couldn't touch it so the uh, and yes the laughing fits are legit and I know when I say what it is and usually it's like somebody with kind of like a dad joke in the text inbox that's going to set him off I know it uh, and then it's just like all right I'm going to do a couple live reads while this is going on because it's going to go on for a couple minutes question number two have you considered putting Iggy on his own podcast if you are the engine of TMA Iggy is the gasoline I would absolutely listen to a show in which Iggy tells stories for hours and hours. Although this is basically what TMA has turned into just a thought. Thanks so much. Hope the show goes on forever and ever hashtag free dotem. that comes from Caleb. Um, yeah, I mean, Iggy's welcome to do a podcast. He doesn't, I mean, I don't have anything to do with it. He's more than welcome to do it. So yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great. And if Iggy weren't on vacation this week, I'd bring him in for, uh, questions from the audience. Um, and, and we bullshit. That's really how questions from the audience started. Me, him and the plowhawk. Uh, so yeah, I mean, iggy has got incredible stories. But, you know, having done this stuff now for a number of years, you kind of recognize what, you know, we use the term one, two, three uh, to like for positions and radio. Like in the original Morning Grind, Martin was the one. Um, I, I was either the two or the three. I don't really know. I guess you could. But but in this this iteration of the show, I'm the one. Uh, Doug would be. Two cat would be the three, and Iggy now is certainly in uh, very active in the offense. Um, and 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 that's not like a ranking; it's like the, the one's the point guard, so to speak. So that's what I'm talking about. And I don't know if Iggy sitting in a studio by himself telling stories <laughs> would work. <laughs> that's my point because he's not necessarily a one and Doug. For is absurdly funny and comfortable giving his opinions and kind of I don't give a shit, this is what I think, and I realize plenty of people hate my political opinions, but this is what I think, as he is, uh, we've talked about it before, and he's like, yeah, I know who I am, I know what I'm good at, and I didn't even say that, because that would be like, be you know, Doug's just, that's just not the way he talks. Um, he goes, I just know what I am, and I'm not really interested in doing a show where I'm the lead guy, or I'm doing a show like Rush Limbaugh where I'm by myself, so so, it, it comes down. So, I, my point is, I think Iggy and the Plowhawk, because they need each other to play off of each other, would be gold. The Pepper and Genie podcast. I would love it. Um, So, I'm all for it. But I don't know if Iggy, just sitting in her room telling stories. Although, it might be so fucking bizarre to listen to. I would listen to the first great. one for sure. Oh, hell yeah, I would. I mean, he's just talking. But the key to Iggy's stories are the reactions right. that they get. Uh, so... I mean, listen, I'd love it. Pete, you could just sit here and record and, like, turn your mic off and just listen to him tell hedonism stories.
1: I might trick him into doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, sit down, man. I mean,
0: there's no doubt in my mind he could do it. I don't have a doubt in my mind he could do it. It's just, like, how it would play. It's like I said, I think I said it on TMA last week. I get asked all the time about interviewing Doug or interviewing the cat or interviewing Iggy for the podcast, and I'm like, for what the podcast interviews are, it would be awkward for us. I'm telling you it would be... I know that's, that might sound weird to people. Does that sound weird to you? Uh, a little bit. That it would be... I I, I just. I feel like it would be awkward, and I think yeah, it would I mean, be awkward for them. I think it would be. See, I, I, don't, I don't see that, but
1: that's interesting. you would know better than I would. I
0: don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I was the one pushing back when all these people would email in or put like on I a think fan page that I, I should interview my dad, and I kept pushing yeah. back, and it turned out they were 100% right. I mean, I think an interview with Doug would go... Break records,
1: yeah. I mean, maybe it would, but I mean, then I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it because I know that it's not going to be like the show, but like maybe people want to get to know Doug a little more, you know, yeah. like because he doesn't really let you inside all that much, really. You know, like Doug, th- th- my relationship with Doug,
0: even though I feel like we have a chemistry that is, you know, I don't know what the right word for it would be uh, I guess obvious, um, is so like the cat and I, the cat now, the cat and I, just because there's another three years there have been through, uh, the wars together more so than me and Doug have. And, uh, and, and so the cat and I will certainly talk more on the phone when stuff's going on and there's been stuff, you know, over the years. As some of you are aware of, and some of you aren't aware of all the stuff because it hasn't been public. Um, and so, in that sense, um, we have a we have a different. I have a different relationship with the cat than I do with Doug. As I always say, we get along. Now, Pete, you went to the Blues game with the Plowhawk, which might be the first time in show history <laughs> where two members of the show hung out away from the show. Took 15 years, but it's happened. I think. I don't think anybody... I mean, I know you would play golf, and I'll play golf with you guys. Right. With Iggy and Plowhawk and all of that. But I'm talking about, like, a nighttime social event.
1: Yeah, it's a good hang. Yeah. He's like, I got an extra ticket. You want to go? I was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. God bless. Um, So, you know, it's, it,
0: it's not like... It, I, but I've always thought it was kind of good, even though it's all unintentional, that, like, me and Doug don't hang out, and then the other four... Or me and Doug hang out, and then the other four don't. You know,
1: it's like kind of we're all... Uh, you know whatever well, it's good to get away from the people that you work with every day.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it's just because the show is so chemistry-driven, it might be weird if somebody feels like they're on the outside right. and then, like, a joke that really was benign actually had some—the feeling like it had more to it, you yeah, know? Whereas it now to. it's like you take a shot and it's like everybody kind of knows it's just what it is, and bullshitting around. So, anyway, getting to interv- inter- an interview, um, I just don't— I don't know. I mean, if, pe- if people really want to do it, I just— Like I said, I would rather have Buck Swope, I don't know, or or somebody else. Fuck, I don't care. Somebody else. Uh, It doesn't matter. I just know Swope knows the show. I would be comfortable. I would be more comfortable with that and then playing it on this podcast than me. I think it would be better. I just think it, I don't know. I just, I feel weird. Like if, like if Howard Stern interviewed Robin, I don't know. But I think, I think the cat and I uh, would probably go deeper just because we've been deeper with the stuff we've been through. Whereas Doug to you know, I think a lot of people would be, I, 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 if anything, I guess I would probably call myself envious of it, but I mean, I've been in a different role with owning the the content and you know, this, the the programming sold by inside STL. And therefore I guess I'm at the top of the totem pole for six, seven years of it Uh, when weird shit would happen with the show or stations we've been at in the past. Uh, Doug would be like, okay, well, you know, we've been through it before. We'll laugh about it in a few months. It's another, you know, another chapter in the book, you know, and that's just kind of his attitude. <laughs> and I'm just like, God bless you. That's why he's an Olympic caliber sleeper because yep. he just doesn't give a shit. And part of me is, part of me is envious of, uh, of that. I'm not, I'm not wired that way. Um, but I, I'm jealous of it. I can tell you that. So like, it would be more about like his career. And I think Doug would really downplay, his career, but you don't really see a lot of people. I mean, next to Rich Gould and Mike Bush, I think he is the longest tenured person in the market. Now he would say that's not necessarily a great thing, but it's is—it's an accomplishment in this industry, you know? And on top of it, as I feel like I say, at least once a month on questions from the audience, you couldn't ask for a better coworker or if you are the employer, employee than Doug. He does his job. He performs at an incredibly high level and he never causes shit. I mean, he's just, (laughs) I mean, it's just, that's, that's what it is. Steady Eddie. Oh my God. It's just, it's just, if you, if you give me a a team of Doug Vaughn's, if I'm an employer, you're, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's outstanding in that sense. But he, but part of that is because he just doesn't really get worked up about it now. I mean, he's obviously, you know, at a different point in his life and his career, his kids are all graduated from college. It's a different situation. But I mean, I knew him 20 years ago, you know, right when his youngest was born. And, uh, I, I don't really, I don't know if I really saw much of a difference. then. <laughs> so I, so I, you know, we were working together at KMOV. So,
1: um, I don't know if people really want me to do it.
0: I I, I certainly will do it. I, I think
1: they'd be good. I think you'd get over that awkwardness and you guys would just get right back into being comfortable with each other well I mean
0: we're, we're obviously comfortably there but I'm interviewing them and I, I obviously I don't know I I think you feel awkward about it obviously I, f- I do feel awkward about it because we I don't know I mean the interviews I I don't I I think they'll feel awkward about it
1: I, I, think, mean, they'll, they'll, I think I know they'll both do it yeah but I think both sides would get over it pretty quick is what I think yeah I think but because you just we're just talking to our friends again
0: but I know that I, that that's that's not the issue. But we, we were talking about at the beginning. We were talking about like the interviews that I do with you know when we have people come in, right? And how I just get out of the way. That's mm-hmm. what this would be, and that's not what they're used to. You know, they're it's yeah. kind of like very rarely on our show. If anybody talks for a large block of time, it's Iggy. It, it's it's <laughs> Iggy certainly with stories, but then the cat is like interjecting, right. or I'm laughing, or Doug's making a sound. If anybody like goes on an, an opinion style rant, so to speak. And I wouldn't use that necessarily. It would be me. And then they would kind of just let me go. But usually I'm setting people up, getting them the ball. And then I get out of the way and then I'll read texts and spots. And then I set up another, you know, whatever that's, that's my role. And in this case, they would be doing 95% of the talking, which I want, but I think they might feel awkward with me being the person doing it. But if people really want to hear it, I mean, fuck, they're obviously easy guests to book, (laughs) you know, so I'm all for it. But I just don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But if people want it, it's like my dad, you know, and then I'm I'm, gl- I'm certainly glad I did that. I mean, holy shit, I really am. And now I got to get my my mom in here and Anna Marie wants me to interview her, her parents, not for, you know, the podcast purposes, but for the family interview, the yet to be named family interview. All right, let's see. All right, I've gone through interviews galore. Let me see what's got going on, on the fan page here, Gangster Peter and our snowy questions from the audience. Um. Oh, I like this question. It's very simple and stupid, but that's perfect for me. It's from the great Carlos Spicy Wiener, the caddy who ruined the Fan Page Club Championship, in my <laughs> opinion. I feel like it's been a while since the uh, subject has come up, but what is your Mount Rushy of St. Louis chicken wings? Gangster Pete, I'm going to yield time to you to give me time to think. It's a dirty tactic, but that's what I'm doing. I know I got one right out of the gate. I two, got two, I got
1: two. My top two would be <laughs> DBs and Cybergs because I love that Cybe sauce.
0: Cyblings. I'm
1: not sure on my third.
0: I've got I've got three, and I feel like I'm missing an obvious one. I'm kind of disappointed in myself, but I got three that I'm I'm like really super fired what up you about. Got? So I, I go Helen Fitzgerald just because that's where I'll oh, go and pick yeah. them up. But, I mean, it's Cybergs. It's, that's the same thing, yeah. Cybergs, Helen Fitzgerald. So I'm with you on that. Uh, Billy G's backyard wings slash trash wings. They're two totally different wings. So if you give me, me two for that, then I'm got, now I'm at three. But if you only want to count one, then I'll go Billy G's. And I love three King's wings. Have you had three King's I haven't wings? haven't had them. Bees, knees. Now, they're kind of like fried chicken wings, but with sauce. They're so good. And as I'm thinking about this, then it makes me want to go get them. And then there's got to be others that I'm just not just not thinking of, you know, and then somebody'll like post it or email me or DM me and I'll be like,
1: "Oh yeah, fuck how I forget." I always got to hit up CJ's wings when I'm in Columbia. Yeah, I like Willie's wings quite a bit. They changed them. Did they really? Yeah. When did they change them? Uh how, why would they, they, they got new them? ownership. No, it, why yeah, would the you food's change not as good as it was. Really? That used to like, be my did, spot. When did they get the new ownership? a uh, couple years ago. Oh, no. Ah. It's pretty depressing. That sucks. Anna Marie worked there.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I remember that. Oh, is that right? I wonder what you're trying to say. (laughs) I'm just making an observation. Uh, So, yeah, so so she told me about that operation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of friends that worked there too. G Unit worked there.
0: Oh, did it really? Yeah. That like the move on football Saturdays, like you, you imagine, you know, nice looking woman, and she wasn't the only one that was a Willie's waitress who was nice looking. Was one of the standards, I believe. I don't know how they do that, by the way. How do you do that without like dealing with some kind of suit? And I'm and obviously not the only place that kind of is known for that. But I mean, this was like, this was, this was high powered here. Yeah. This wasn't just like, oh yeah, you know, they <laughs> they wear because they didn't wear skimpy clothing. They were like baseball t-shirts.
1: Yeah, and they could act they act like they didn't give a shit about who you were. <laughs> yeah, that—that—that now
0: that, that,
1: that, yeah, that, that makes sense.
0: So uh, that like guys would like leave their phone numbers on the receipts. <laughs> just like, God bless, man. I just—I don't know if you would consider that game or if it's pathetic. I don't know. Like, I I've never seen... did that shit, or you know, obviously now do it, but just.
1: Didn't even cross my mind though. I've seen guys leave like novels on the receipt. <laughs> really? Yes.
0: And I wonder if it ever works. Email me, Team Kernan, inside SDLA. It's got to work, I would guess.
1: Yeah, I've never tried it, but none nobody that I know that has has ever gotten a call or anything. Uh, I can't imagine. But um, yeah, I don't know. I like I'd like to give a fourth one,
0: but I mean, if I if I'm giving four wings, then I'm going Helen Fitzgerald slash Cyborg's wings. I'm going go with you on that on that sauce. Billy G's backyard wings. Um, then also the uh, the trashed wings of Billy G's and then the three kings wings. But I mean, I know I'm missing something obvious, and then people are like gonna get mad at Johnny's had it.
1: good wings, just trying to think. And I, I, I don't know, all right.
0: Uh, let's see what we got. Timmy recaps who Iggy has blocked on the fan page, but he provides the deepest questions every week on questions from the audience. And let's see what he's got this week. Do you think there should be lines one shouldn't attempt to cross in comedy? If there is a line, what is it? Is it less about
1: the topic than whether or not the joke is actually funny? Gangster Pete, I'll yield the floor to you. Uh, no, I don't think there should be any lines. If you're funny, it's funny. Like If you're listening to comedy, like I don't want to care about any lines. I don't think anyone should care about the lines. If the joke is good, it's good. I'm with you on that. 100% against lines and comedy. I, I,
0: I'm I'm an absolutist on it. I Me am. too. But I also recognize it in practice it's not realistic, especially in 2019. But, I mean, you know, would you have busted out a September 11th joke in October of 20, 2001, you know? Um, but if you're a good
1: comedian, you'll recognize that.
0: And, and so I was watching this uh, series on uh, CNN called The 2000s, and they were talking with Larry Dave, and they were showing a 60 Minutes interview with him. And how he was able to make survivor of the Holocaust uh, versus a survivor of uh, from the show, the TV reality show Survivor and made it funny, which, you know, he was interviewed and he goes, do you think there are any lines that shouldn't be crossed? He goes, no, I'm comfortable with whatever. And I like that. But God, I mean, and now you just see people, you know, I mean, it's just become cliche to say it, but comedians hesitant to play college campuses for fear of, you know, the bullshit that would
1: go on around it. Well, two of my favorite comedians are Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle because they both take the most taboo subjects and make them funny. No. I mean, they, they look at it like a challenge. Yeah, Like, I'm going to take this topic and I'm going to make you laugh. I mean, that's what Chappelle's show was kind of
0: really like. It was like holding up a mirror to, like, the things that people think but don't say. Right. You know, and then somehow just making it
1: so good. Fuck your couch. <laughs> always wanted to say that on air. Now you got it.
0: Uh, Cut that off. Uh, why do some ostensibly straight men quote ironically refer to their wives and girlfriends as their beards? <laughs> Are they actually signaling their repressed or latent feelings? Now, this guy who wrote this—the only thing I really know him for on the fan page is being like one of those guys who's really, really into Missouri athletics. At least that's what I thought. And like, he'll be. There's a handful of them that, and I like him. I like him. It's not. Like, it's not a case. I'm like, oh, this fucking guy. It's that's not it. But uh, this 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 is kind of out of character for what I remember <laughs> about him. So I really enjoy so that makes me enjoy the question even more. I don't have an answer to that. I think, I think it's a running joke on the show with the audience all being heavy, <laughs> repressed gay men. I think that's what I think that's what it's about. I I've never once thought that our audience is made up of gentlemen who are on the down low. It's <laughs> never seriously crossed my mind. Now, if that's going on, I'm going to have to really re-examine my thoughts as I go to these TMA lives. Gangster Pete, uh, any thoughts on this? Do, you, do, do your peers, do, do, does Deeb's ever make
1: reference to peers? <laughs> I mean, we do like jokes, but I mean, that's <laughs> it. Nothing serious.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something else. Uh, all right, Finally. As I'm sitting at home on Dad duty, what's your Mount Rushmore of snow day activities? A little sleddy, sleddy, then <laughs> hot, chalky, chalky. Ah, <laughs> oh, the fan page coming through. Um, yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have a whole lot under my belt at this point. Uh, I would imagine we will. You know, recording this, it's twelve thirteen, and it's snowing as I look outside. So I would imagine we'll do some sledding. You know. Anna Marie took uh, Jameson out for some sledding yesterday. Uh, Very brief because there wasn't a whole lot of snow at the time, but I will do it uh, with her and Jameson today, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. A lot of people, I guess if I'm in a mindset of everything is just kind of cool and chill, I I think I love the mindset of the community on a snow day because people just kind of unplug and they're like, nobody's doing anything. Don't bother me and I won't bother you. It's an unspoken truce on a, just, just because there's a couple inches of snow, it's, a, it's an, it, but I kind of like it. Um, but I don't have an, I don't have a number of activities. I mean, if poker stars will still, were still around, I would get in a poker tournament and that's what I would do. And if I obviously, if I didn't have a child, that makes it very difficult now. Um, I wish there were like a bowl on today because I go, okay, I'll bet the over just for the fuck about it. I don't know anything about either one of these two teams.
1: The best um, thing about a snow day is that you can be a complete bum and not feel guilty about it. That's—Gangster Pete might have just summed it up right there. That's nice. It's a good time to catch up on movies, things
0: like that. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't feel you like that. you're wasting time. That you I agree. Be that's a nice play. That's a nice play. I don't know, man. I mean, when I pulled in here this morning, and I knew, like, schools and businesses were closed, I was surprised by it. I also get it. I don't necessarily agree with it in the sense that pragmatically I don't agree with it, but— you own a business or you, you're superintendent of a school i get it from a litigation standpoint and angry parents or whatever you know i mean that's just, that's what it's about i get it you know but when i pulled into the lot oh i'm driving man to man on manchester here and there's no one out and then i pull in the lot and gold's gym is closed and i'm like god i wonder if something happened and then and they said no we're not gonna be open until nine o'clock it's like this is this is crazy but I guess we're supposed to get now like eight inches of snow, which is something I didn't know. I'm just not tuned in. I I'm know coming in and I'm doing the show one way or the other when I live this close, so it doesn't
1: matter to me. I've been watching the parking lot. It is slowly is getting wider and wider. Is that right? Yep. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, now, that, now that I don't have a benefit to snow days, I really don't care for them. And now that I have a child, which means it's like now I got heavy lifting, so to speak. I mean, again, relatively speaking, I have one. I know plenty of you listening are like, I have three or four and it's chaos. Uh, mine's a different form of chaos. It's not like I'm off. So I'm going to do the show either way. And I'm going to be on whenever I go home because I've got a two-year-old running around. <laughs> um, I don't really, so I, but then business is closing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it from a litigation standpoint, but as far as dad duties, I mean, it's sledding. I don't mean with a, the two-year-old, it's a different deal than maybe like if you had an eight-year-old. I mean, I guess it's sledding still. Any, am I missing anything on that gangster Pete? Uh, no, I, I mean, I love sledding. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time to go to inside stl I, I recommend that you, you restocked some of the merch, right? Yeah. Uh, people ordered stuff today. It's I'm going to ship it out right after we get done here. Sweet. Uh, you can, uh, take a look at the latest merchandise. I'm wearing it right now. Uh, inside stl still getting time for the uh, Christmas holiday. You're always welcome to send in emails for questions from the audience. T McKernan. At InsideSTL.com. Come on out for the uh, TMA Live this Thursday, the 19th, uh, for uh, TMA Live at Hot Shots. That's presented by Bud Light. And I see Iggy is posting things on the fan page. (laughs) Who are y'all voting for? Biff can interview the winners with AVNs. What is this? Favorite camming couple. These are couples who cam? (laughs) And then, (laughs) do do you look at this? No. So, like... There are a couple of, you know, relatively speaking, attractive couples. And then there's like two guys who I would say are like maybe 19. What <laughs> The fuck's he looking at? <laughs> he wants people to vote for the favorite camming couple. I mean, what in the hell is he doing? This is what Iggy's doing with his. So iggy has got an off day on a snow day, which like oh, I found increases it. the sloth like exponentially. Uh... <laughs> and now he's arguing with some guy that he didn't include. <laughs> I don't know what this is. So there's couples who cam and you can vote for the camming. I didn't even know that for as much as I know about the stag industry, I didn't even know this was going on. (laughs) 19 honeysuckle. (laughs) And I got to look into it. Uh, All right. There it is. Questions from the audience is in the books on this snow day, Monday, uh, December uh, 16th. And uh, we always thank you for sending your questions. Send them in. I mean, anything's welcome. Stories, questions, whatever, anything anything team McKernan at inside just thoughts doesn't matter. Don't have to be questions. Uh team occurring inside stl.com as always. Thank you for listening. Gangster Pete. Thank you for sitting here with me and wandering through random questions and thoughts. Uh, thank you to our advertisers, the home loan Mark Hanna, evergreen wealth strategies at EvergreenSTL.com, James Carlton of the Carlton state farm insurance agency online at CarltonInsurance.net, design air heating and cooling air service.com. The number one train dealer in the Midwest. And then also Johnny Landoff Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth. Exit online at Londoff.com. Chevy find new roads. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the Home Loan Expert.com studios.
1: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on demand classes.